Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Welcome to NYC Now, your source for local news in and around New York City from WNYC. It's Friday, June 30th. Here's the midday news from Michael Hill. Summer is here and beach-loving New Yorkers want to hit the shore. Luckily for them, the NYC ferry is upping service to Rockaway to accommodate an uptick in demand. WNYC's Catalina Gonella has more. Starting July 1st, riders will be able to reserve tickets on weekend and holiday ferries to the beach up to two weeks ahead of time. $10 will secure passengers a spot on board and grant them access to an expedited line. Most spots on each vessel will remain unreserved for the regular $4 fare. Another update will be an additional vessel NYC Ferry is adding to its Rockaway service on weekends and holidays. The Rockaway service will also return in August for just four weeks, providing express service from the Brooklyn Bridge to the beach. In other summer news, if you're heading to Long Island this holiday weekend, be sure to check for beach closures. Suffolk County officials have closed four beaches to swimming due to high levels of bacteria in the water. Those are Gold Star Battalion Beach in Huntington, Amityville Beach, Benjamin Beach in Bayshore, and Ronkonkoma Beach. Oscar-winning actor and Brooklyn native Alan Arkin has died. He started his career in the city and moved to L.A. with his family at the age of 11. Arkin appeared in more than 100 TV shows and films. He won an Oscar as the foul-mouthed grandfather in 2007's Little Miss Sunshine. Alan Arkin lived 89 years. Alternate side parking suspended today, but still pay the meters. Air quality is unhealthy. You may want to be avoid being active outside as much as possible. Your forecast, 82 with some sunshine now, widespread haze and a high of 84. On this week's On the Media, does the rise of X signal the fall of traditional right-wing outlets? You don't have to have this website and a link that people have to click on. You can just say stuff and you can get attention. You know, you don't need to be Breitbart to do that anymore. Also, what does decolonization really mean? On this week's On the Media from WNYC. Find On the Media wherever you get your podcasts. On WNYC, I'm Tiffany Hansen. The U.S. Supreme Court ruled that colleges could no longer consider race when making admissions decisions, upending decades of guidance on affirmative action. The decision will most likely result in fewer black and Latino students being admitted to selective schools. The court's majority said the U.S. Constitution should be, quote, colorblind. The court's liberal members wrote in their dissent that race-conscious policies have advanced equality in schools. Lee Bollinger is the president of Columbia University. He was also the defendant in two cases concerning affirmative action when he was the president of the University of Michigan. President Bollinger, welcome to WNYC. Thank you. So it's been just a few hours since the court released their ruling rejecting race-based affirmative actions. So what were your first thoughts when you heard about the decision? My first thoughts were that this is a tragic outcome, I think, for the country. But universities like Columbia, like um, Harvard and University of North Carolina have, along with other selective universities, considered race and ethnicity as factors, just factors in admissions for 40, 50 years now, with great results for the country, great results for education. And the court 
really has set us on a different path. This is like Roe versus Wade and Dobbs overruling Roe and, and setting the country on a very different path. You refer to it as a very different path. I'm just wondering where you think this leaves the country right now. I think you have to think about this from its roots. And the roots really are Brown versus Board of Education in 1954, uh, which declared uh, separate but equal policies of the Jim Crow era unconstitutional and the civil rights movement and era that followed in the 50s and 60s. It was really the effort of the country to try to come to terms with the history of slavery, really invidious discrimination against African-Americans in particular. And out of that era, really, universities said, we need to do our part and, and we need to do things positively uh, to try to help integrate the country. So over these decades, uh, uh, this has uh, been the practice of all of higher education. But it's also been the practice of business, uh, been the practice of media, governments, um, all through the society, we have tried to take positive steps to overcome the past and ongoing present of discrimination. That's, I think, been very important to the country. This is a philosophy that says that ends. Um, uh, we need to move on from that past. So I, I think this is extremely important, a watershed moment, uh, in a sense, in how we think about our history and what we need to do about it. Once when you were talking about being race conscious in admitting students, you said there are no easy other ways to do this. What did you mean by that? And do you still feel this way? So we know from the few states uh, that have on their own banned universities from taking race and ethnicity into account and the results have been really uh, tragic again. So the University of California, Berkeley, University of California, Los Angeles, UCLA, University of Michigan, where they have been prohibited under their state constitutions or laws from practicing affirmative action. There's been a precipitous drop in the racial and ethnic diversity of their student bodies. And I think now we will try to retain racial and ethnic diversity, but it will be extremely hard using the examples of Michigan and Berkeley. So I'm, I, I think universities will be uh, acting consistent with the opinion, looking for how to achieve it, um, uh, continue to uh, achieve what we've had, but I think we will fall short uh, for many years to come, unfortunately. Well, as you look ahead to what universities may be doing, analysis up to this point suggests that selective schools like Harvard and Columbia will have to change what they're doing. So I'm hearing you say that you absolutely see it that way. Well, I think there's no doubt about that. I mean, the, the Supreme Court has now declared that what it allowed before in the Grutter case, which was the landmark case, the first time a majority of the court said that what universities uh, were doing was constitutional. Now the court has reversed that. So yes, there will be changes. Um, uh, there will be experiments, uh, efforts to consistent with the opinion to figure out how to retain uh, some portion of that diversity, but it's going to be very difficult. I, I think it would be naive to think otherwise. 
what would you say to students or groups who say they've been harmed by race-conscious admissions? So my answer has always been, uh, we take account of many factors. I mean, if you come from a small town uh, in a part of the country that isn't represented uh, in the student body, typically take that into account. If you have particular talents, athletic, musical, theatrical, race and ethnicity have just been two things that we've uh, factored in. I expect there to be more litigation about this. I think the opponents of affirmative action are very determined uh, to continue going after universities. President Bollinger, thanks so much for your time and your perspective. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. That's Lee Bollinger, president of Columbia University. Thanks for listening. This is NYC Now from WNYC. Be sure to catch us every weekday, three times a day, for your top news headlines and occasional deep dives. And subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. More this evening. I'm David Remnick, and each week on the New Yorker Radio Hour, my colleagues and I unpack what's happening in a very complicated world. You'll hear from the New Yorker's award-winning reporters and thinkers, Jelani Cobb on race and justice, Jill Lepore on American history, Vincent Cunningham and Gia Tolentino on culture, Bill McKibben on climate change, and many more. To get the context behind events in the news, listen to the New Yorker Radio Hour wherever you get your podcasts.